listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded at the ABA's National Summit on Innovation and Legal Services at Stanford Law School in Stanford, California. We're here to cover this event and its highlights for you, our listeners. Joining me now, I have President-elect of the ABA, Ms. Paulette Brown. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now we're glad to have you. Now, I think this is, uh, you're returning to the air. I think we had you on at the Law Practice Division meeting in, uh, in San Diego. Yes, that's correct. Yes. And so a lot has transpired since then. Uh, you're getting closer to the beginning of your tenure as the president of the ABA. I am. I am. It's coming up very soon, August 3rd. Oh my gosh. Yes. Are you super excited? I am very excited, although it's a week early and I told William he's being cheated out of a week. Oh, <laughs> oh, yes. oh no. Now, William, William is uh, current president of the ABA, uh, President William Hubbard. So um, now that's one of those great things about the ABA that uh, I routinely touch on is the succession planning within the ABA. And so let me ask you this. Um, do you have, as you get closer to the baton, the proverbial baton being handed, are you working very closely together with President Hubbard before that happens? Well, first of all, we've been working closely together all year. Okay, okay. And even before then, when he was president-elect, he would call me and say, Paulette, this is what I learned um, that I didn't know before. Let me tell you this. And so it, it happened long before now. He's been extremely helpful. Okay. So, yes. And, now, and behind you is Miss Linda Klein. Correct. Okay. Now, what what is that title? Is it president-elect-elect? Or, or No, president-elect-designee. A designee. Okay. Yes. Yeah. She's president-elect-designee. And she will be elected on August 4th, okay, and then um, become president-elect on August 4th. Gotcha. Yes. And is she working in close conjunction with you? Uh, or? Yes. <laughs> yes, she is. We've met in person. We've met over the phone. Um, you know, we've talked about some of her ideas and my ideas, and um, uh, so it, it, it will be seamless, or it should be seamless. Okay. You know, every president will have his or her own ideas of what it is they want to do to sort of leave their stamp, their mark on their presidency. And so we talk about those things and um, and work in tandem, maybe build on some of them, but still have your own discrete program or initiative. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, we are here to cover the ABA National Summit on Innovation and Legal Services. So I just wanted to ask you, uh, what is your general takeaway from this event? I've learned a lot. One of my biggest uh, takeaways was the impact that lack of access to justice has. And I guess it's just a reminder that I needed. You know, these, these are real lives we're talking about. Right. And uh, so that was that was one. And uh, uh, Professor Goodenough left me with uh, another takeaway. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, perfection is the enemy of doing good. And by that, he meant that, uh, you know, we, we keep obsessing about finding a perfect solution instead of maybe finding a good solution, which would be more readily available to solve some of the existing problems. And so uh, I thought that was great because sometimes, and I call it paralysis through analysis, right. and we're looking for that magic bullet, and there just isn't one. No, it's funny because that's what I just said a few minutes ago, and we have to be really nimble. We have to be nimble um, in terms of several things. One is that there's no one right way to do something. Right. And depending on the particular demographic, the geographic area, the group of people you're talking to, you may need to do something different. There's not one size fits all. And um, and and also be nimble that if something doesn't work, be really 
ready to try something else. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that I learned, a lot of people talk about technology and uh, how beneficial technology is, but I also learned that to be innovative, you don't always need technology. And I'm speaking of the judge from Louisiana who is using absolutely zero technology, but she has come up with a very creative way to uh, decrease the recidivism rate in Louisiana. And I think that, you know, that is an access to justice issue uh, as well. And so, um, and then, you know, learn about how technology can be important. But what Bill Newcomb said is that are we stewards for justice? And um, I think that you don't necessarily need technology in order to be stewards for justice. Yes, some of the technology can cause us to do things in a faster way. Um, The young lady who opened up her own law firm, um, I think that that is wonderful. And she is able to use technology to reach a lot more people who can't afford traditional lawyers. So that that is satisfying a huge aspect of the access to justice. There's so many gems <laughs> that came out of the conference. And the, the best part is knowing that there are people who are already doing things to provide more access to justice. And, you know, what can we do to build on what some of the other people are already doing? How can we um, redesign some of the things to make it fit in other areas? And, and, and I, I just, I just think that in that regard, it was a great, I could go down a list and start naming things for you. But I thought that was, I thought that some of the thoughts and ideas were, were, were really outstanding. One of my favorite uh, presentations that I had the pleasure of sitting in on was uh, the one titled uh, Programs That Bridge the Gap. Okay. And it was a series of mini presentations that addressed many of the different areas for innovation. Right. And so um, what was kind of, I mean, I, we just covered ABA Tech Show. And right. so obviously that's yeah. dedicated right. to technology. But it's interesting to hear innovations used or the word innovation used to describe a different paradigm of thinking. Right. And so that was one of my favorite ones. And they talked about, uh, you know, access to justice. They talked about uh, uh, reintegrating people that were once in jail back into society. Right. And they talked about a bunch of different ways to provide, um, you know, solutions to make sure that we're doing the greatest from, I guess, the perspective of providing justice in our country and holding that social fabric together. And so I just want to ask you, what what were some of your favorite, uh, I guess, bridging the gap ideas that are coming out of uh, out of the summit? So the one thing I told you was the Louisiana one. Um, and, and and the other was the young lawyer who has developed a mechanism to serve a lot more people. And one was um, the judge from Arizona, which he didn't get all of it out during his presentation. He talked about the kiosk, if you can recall. First, he talked about if you went straight across, if you could go straight across the Grand Canyon, it was only like 95 miles and depending on who was driving the car, how long it would take you to get there. I think you're talking about Judge Harrington. Exactly. And then, um, but if you go the way you have to go, how far it is, it's over 300 miles. And so they put these kiosks uh, for for people to communicate with, with the court. And my question to him was, was, how do people even know that the kiosk is there? How do you how do you communicate to them that there's a kiosk that they can go to? And he said, well, it's a resource problem. We don't have, you know, the courts don't have the money to publicize it and so forth. So you still have an access issue because if people don't know that the kiosk is there, then 
you you still, you know, why is it there if no one knows about it? But then we kept talking and the kiosk is at the DMV, at the Department of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> and what a it's a great place for a kiosk. So almost everyone is going to go there. So I think he almost missed how great that was in terms of having access to justice because it's at the DMV. Almost everybody's going to go there and then they will communicate it to other people that this kiosk is there that can help other people. And so, and so, um, you know, so to me, that was, that was a great thing. And, and then people talked about how many people go to church and so forth. And, and the fact that so many people don't know that they have a legal problem. Um, and so, but people do go to church and so if you have a mechanism for people to get information from there, and that's very low tech too, um, then then that can be very, very helpful. People talked about um, the lack of data that's available to try to analyze some of these situations. But I think that people don't know that there is data available. So in some ways, we need to educate ourselves, if you will, about what is available to us and, and, um, and what is available to us to help others. So I think that, you know, this helped to... Um, uh, uh, have us understand that, that there are some things that are available that we need to know what is. So I think that was helpful. Well, my next question is a two-part question. Yes. Oh, boy. And it's a good one. It's a good one. So Mm -hmm. uh, my uh, my next two-part question, the first one is, you know, obviously when you take the reins as ABA president, you're going to have your your own programs and and your uh, your presidency is going to be defined by certain things. But first, I want to start with what are you going to carry on uh, from President Hubbard's legacy as uh, ABA president? There are a couple of things. One of my big initiatives will be diversity and inclusion 360, okay. which is what I'm calling it. And and within that, there are a number of access to justice issues um, because, I, because many times people are treated very differently um, within the judicial system based on race, nationality, gender, um, LGBT status, et cetera. So there will still be some... Um, access to justice issues that will come into play. There also, he's, uh, President Hubbard has had some other issues. This is not the only thing that he's been doing. He's been doing other things too. A lot of it has to do with, with the criminal justice system. So there will be some things that, you know, I will build on in that regard, you know, like collateral consequences of pleading guilty to certain crimes and so forth. And I've got some real thoughts and ideas about that. And it ties directly into some of my diversity and inclusion issues. And also, um, into some of our membership, um, our membership issues, and what our members are actually interested in, especially young lawyers, and as people are talking about what's important to them, more quality life things um, uh, that are important to them. So uh, that's probably how some of the things will sort of spill over, or not spill over so much, but continue. And you know, it's something that you know some of the things that he built on from Jim Silkenet. Okay. And some things we can't let go until we get some some good solutions. I gotcha. Right. For my second part of my question, I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to get into some of the programs and initiatives that are going to define your presidency for the ABA. Okay. So I looked at the four goals of the American Bar Association. The American Bar Association only has four goals, and two of them directly relate to our members and the profession. 
Um, the other one relates to diversity and inclusion. The other one relates to the rule of law. And so um, while there will be some rule of law issues necessarily that will come into play, I am focusing on our members and, um, and making people be better lawyers and, um, and also just making our members feel that they are a real part of the association and that they can be involved in the American Bar Association. So I did a program for Miss JD in the fall, and there was a young lady who called in and said that as a lawyer from Iowa, she didn't feel like she could fit in, that she could be a part of it. I don't want anybody anywhere in this country to have that feeling or impression. So I'm doing a couple of things, or I plan to do a couple of things. Some things I've already started, um, but I I want to visit um, at least two states a month. Wow. Yes, and not do flybys, but I want to stay at least two days in each place. I want to get to know the lawyers there. I want to get to know the community. I want to get them to know me and the American Bar Association. And during those visits, I'm like, hmm, why not, why not visit a Boys and Girls Club while I'm there? And uh, why not visit a law school while I'm there? And so I've already started doing that with the Boys and Girls Club. And, it's, and we refined it because the Boys and Girls Club was just on a whim. Um, I did it when I went to Oklahoma, but it worked out really well, and I brought some of the kids to the event where I spoke. And so that's working out well, and now I'm taking young lawyers with me to the Boys and Girls Clubs and also a couple of law students so that um, that everyone understands the importance of giving back, giving some service. I am also doing it because I am a first in my family, first to go to college, first to go to law school, and um, I want... Um, other people to know that I am not that different from them and that they can see what the possibilities are. So I think that I have an enormous responsibility as being the first woman of color to be president of the ABA to have people understand what's possible for them. So I am, I am doing that, and I'm also meeting with lawyers in those venues. Um, the other thing I'm doing is that um, we're, we're going to call it ABA Every Day, so Every day that I am president of the American Bar Association, members will get a benefit. Wow. Uh, yes, members will get a benefit. And um, so I've asked, and you know, I believe in a lot of collaboration too. So I've asked all the different sections and entities of the ABA, and even some that are not really in the ABA, but work closely with the ABA to provide content, something free for our members. Um, and so I've asked that we provide that the sections and divisions and entities, I said I wanted to have 250 pieces of content by June. We have far more than that wow. already. Yes. And so we want to make sure that people's inboxes are not cluttered. So we're going to use a lot of social media and other forms. You know, the ABA website will have something about, you know, this is the benefit of the day. You know, we want to make sure people get what they're interested in. So it'll come in a number of different forms. There'll be book chapters. There'll be podcasts. There'll be all sorts of things. And then we don't want to ignore that if something critical comes up, we have sections on standby. So if some critical crim criminal issue comes about uh, during the course of the presidency, they'll be ready to get something out on that day. And that won't mean that you still won't get your other member benefit. We'll just call it a daily double um, <laughs> on, 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 on that day. So, you know, we want to make sure 
that our members understand that the American Bar Association has a lot of value and that we produce a number of different things that can help them in their practices. Also doing a young lawyer toolkit. Uh, one was done about 10 years ago. We're going to try and do it a little differently. Again, having groups collaborate. So we've got the Young Lawyers Division, Law Practice Division, um, Senior Lawyers, and GP Solo. So the young lawyers are taking the lead on this. Great. Um, because who knows better what they need than them? Uh, but you still have to have people with experience to say, uh, wait a minute, you don't want to go into that minefield. So the young lawyers are sort of orchestrating it, and the other ones are providing all of the content and information. It will be a living, breathing document, not something to sit on yourself, but something that will be updated, you know, as things change, as things evolve, just like with Williams Futures. You know, one size doesn't fit all. You know, you got to be nimble. If something changes, you need to make adjustments. So, so, so we're doing that um, as well. Um, then, you know, I believe to whom much is given, much is expected. The ABA has a pro bono week. I don't think that a lot of people are aware of it. Um, and um, and so and also a lot of people are not aware of how much pro bono service lawyers provide. I think that we need to improve the image of lawyers, um, let the public know that lawyers are good guys in the generic sense, guys. And <laughs> And ladies. Um, and so during pro bono week, we're going to have um, a big day of service where we're going to try and mobilize hundreds of thousands of lawyers to provide pro bono service um, on October 30th. And uh, what we hope to do are a number of things, not just to have the public acknowledge that, um, you know, lawyers are capable of doing very good things for the public, but also for those lawyers who are in smaller practices who believe that they can't, they're too small to provide pro bono services, they will understand that there are discrete things that they can do uh, periodically that won't absorb too much of their time where they can help others. Um, we're asking that some high-profile lawyers become involved so that we can get the appropriate media attention that, that we need. And, um, and, and hopefully people who have not done pro bono service in the past will continue, that will motivate them to continue to do it. Um, and then um, there are other things, but my the, the initiative, the other initiative, as I mentioned earlier, is um, Diversity and Inclusion 360. Um, want to make sure, one, that the American Bar Association is doing the absolute best that it can do in the area of diversity and inclusion. So we're looking at what all the entities in the ABA, what, what they're doing in that regard, some and taking the best of the best um, and creating guidelines for all that all the sections and entities can use in promoting diversity and inclusion within their section. Um, looking at the justice system um, and also collaborating, trying to find out what others have done so that we won't duplicate it, but work together with them. Talk to the Justice Department, Lisa Foster, who you saw, and then she brought other people into the group. And then I talked to Mary McQueen at the National Center for State Courts to find out some of the things. And as it turns out, they have already done exactly one of the things that I wanted to do. So there's no need for me to do that again to build on it, yes. And, and and it gave me, by talking to her, ideas of what I need to do next. But I also think that in the criminal justice system, prosecutors have a lot of power. I think that, unfortunately, they have a lot of biases, unconscious and otherwise. So we want to do some training for them 
and for judges. Um, judge, some judges have already had training, but after they had their training on implicit bias, it's like, now what do we do? So maybe we'll do a training video on now what do we do? Um, and, and there are just so many other areas. Can't touch on everything because there's only one year to do it. <laughs> but, you know, we want to see whether we can make some policy changes with regard to diversity and inclusion so that um, um, so that it will not be, um, you know, a flash in the pan. This is a very critical issue, and it, it has to do with access to justice. It has to do with how we practice law, um, how we are perceived in the practice, and it diversity and inclusion. It's not, I, Joe West, you heard him talk about how many chief diversity officers companies have. It's not the flavor of the month anymore. It's a critical issue. So Fantastic. I have one last question for you. And being is that you're the first woman of color to lead the ABA. Yes. Um, I and, and this is what I was thinking. We could uh, inaugurate sort of unofficially your benefits per day as okay. ABA president. Okay. Um, there's a lot of young people out there that are uh, that are thinking about going to law school and becoming attorneys. Yes. And because you are uh, unique, you are the first woman of color to be the president of the ABA. Shortly, what one single piece of advice can you give them? Those who are aspiring to go to law school or those who are in law school? Both. Okay. So those who are aspiring to go to law school, I would um, tell them to don't listen to the noise. Okay. That law remains a very honorable and to me the best profession that there is, that they should not listen to naysayers, that they should make their decisions on their own, that they should become as informed as possible about um, about law school and which is the best fit for them in terms of what it is they think they may want to do later. And I and that's difficult because I never knew what I wanted to do at that point in time. So but but the young people are a lot smarter than I I am. So um, uh, but but I would tell them that to not be deterred by the noise. If that is something that they want to do, I would suggest that they find people who they can talk to about it um, and, um, and and get the appropriate encouragement that they need. There will be some naysayers, but forget them. If that's what you want to do, then you should pursue your dream. Great. Yeah. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our time for okay. our show today, but I want to thank uh, President-elect Ms. Paulette Brown for joining us of uh, the ABA. And uh, if our listeners uh, want to uh, reach out to you, if they have questions, uh, how can they find you? Okay, let me just add one other thing. Sure. Um, if you look at the number of lawyers in the country, especially um, when it comes to uh, people of color, there still are not enough. Okay. And um, and so and so you know they need to be encouraged, and also um, because there are still so many areas in the country with people so many underserved communities, we need lawyers there too. So, you know, in some ways, you know, we don't have enough lawyers. So I, I just wanted to, to put that out there. But you can, I can be reached at um, two places at ABA president elect at AmericanBar.org. Great. Yes. Great. Well, this has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.